a random encounter at a broadcasting facility, a shared interest and love of all things Marvel, Excelsior, a misinterpreted program title, and behold, a podcast is born. Peter Melnick, podcaster and comic book enthusiast, and Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer, still with an inordinate amount of catching up to do. Peter! What are you doing? Here we go with a new episode of The Marvelists. This is Fabian Niciesa, writer of Suburban Dicks, my debut novel from Putnam Publishing. And you're listening to The Marvelists with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of introducing today's special guest, we want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Usual. He's so unusual. Wait, that's Cindy Lauper. Go. Well, money changes everything, Eddie. Mm. Well, no, technically that's the uh, brains, but Cindy cut. Ka-ching. But anyway... First up, go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at The Marvelists. Find us on there. Like us on social media on all those different platforms. Send your strongly worded letters and all that good stuff on those platforms. You can listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms. Tune in radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify. What else is there, Eddie? Is there like, you know, maybe like, you know, a random person on the subway with a boombox, you know, Bluetooth boombox just playing our stuff? Sure. The or new thing. Even a ghetto blaster, and they just literally took a cassette and they're playing it through there. They recorded it, you know. It's kind of stupid, you know, but... That's a Star-Lord flashback. Come on. Eh, come and get your love. Get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, you can find us on all of those streaming platforms. Again, available on all iOS and Android devices. You can also find us on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. And again, you know, broken ice cream machines, McDonald's, whatever. That joke is never funny. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash uh, Marvelists. Support the show for as little as $3 a month to as much as... <laughs> I can never get that word right. Yeah, I want... so just many. It's like it's a really high number. One day you'll spell that or put it on a posting and it'll be like, that's what he's trying to say? Okay. And they're going to be like, wow, that dumbass didn't know how to spell the word million. <laughs> you can f- support the show, though, like I said, for as little as $3 to that other amount. But when you do, for $3 a month, you get our undying love, gratitude, appreciation, early access to episodes. You can also, on the $5 and up tier, you get, like I said, all of those perks and the ability to listen to our 102-plus series where we cover all of those issues of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's iconic, legendary, fantastic even, Fantastic Four. And... When you do, like I said, you're going to be listening to all sorts of stuff, including our July episode featuring talking about the Hulk with special guest co-host Al Ewing. There he goes again. Yeah. What on the rampage? <laughs> no, I, I know what you're. I know I'm where you're at. I think of other jokes for the title, mm-hmm. but whatever. And again, you know, like I said, eight dollar and up tier, you get the ability to guest host this here fine program if you don't suck, because you know there's like. Hey, Eddie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How are you, guest host? It's going to be that. You don't want that. You don't want to listen to that. That's why we have Jeremy Bagley on the show from time to time, because he's 
anything but. He has charisma. That's exactly right. David Lee Roth video there. Also, God willing, if you've made it this far, you're dad joke immune. And by showing your dad joke immunity, you can be able to support the show by buying a dad joke immune t-shirt for The Marvelists, available at belowthecollar.com slash The Marvelists. And yeah, support the show with that. Eddie, how are you? And all that, well, we're going back to this now? Today is National Repeat Day. So is it, wait, thought, is it really? So you thought you'd say it again? No, actually, it was yesterday. I'm just reiterating. Oh, so you're repeating it. See? A day later. It works. That's wonderful. Eddie, joining us on the other end of the tin cannon string, we are joined with a man responsible for one of the biggest R-rated movies of all time. He's a gentleman who is now a part of the literary world with the, the words on the book, you know? Yes, the printed word, to his credit. I'm the king of the introductions. What can I say? Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined with Fabian Nisiesa. Hello, everybody. I would prefer to be called Sir Author now, as opposed to just being called Fabian or that idiot. Um, I, I, it's a new phase of my life. So Sir Author is, is, I think, the appropriate designation for anyone who has a book being published. Well, that's good to know because otherwise I thought you had to be, you know, a knight in England or something or knight. No, 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 no. I, you do. I mean, in some cases, yeah. But we're speaking strictly within literary realms here, and it's not just a book. I just want everyone to be aware of that. It, it, it is a novel. So I am. I am now a novel author. All right. You're so a novelist. I am the novelist, and novelist. you guys are marvelous. Yeah, so. That's just where I was going, the novelist with the marvelous. How could you not make that a, a pairing? So I, I mean, I, what I want everyone will glean from this is that I, I am still willing to speak to the little people of comic books now that I am a novelist. I mean, I'm six I, foot I don't, one. I don't, I don't turn my nose at the marvelous the way some might. Well, I'm still, I'm still uh, a man of the people, really. Well, Fabian, what in your then uh, estimation or analysis, if you will, other than the way it's spelled and the number of letters, the difference between book and wait, novel? Is wait, it the number of pages? Wait, wait a minute, Eddie. Are you, are you saying you want an analysis from the novelist on the marvelous? Exactly, Mundo. I, I, I think the biggest difference is that writing a book is a truckload more work than I'm used to. Um, I, I, I'm used to a 20-page comic, you know, which at this point in my career you can kind of do with at least one eye closed um, and TV on in the background. But uh, but writing a book, um, it just takes a lot more work. It's just a lot more rewriting um, and a lot more self-editing um, and and going over the material a lot more often. You know, I, I just finished the second one, uh, did some rewrites to my editor's notes, and now he's going to do a line edit of the manuscript. Um, and, and, you know, at this point now, I've gone over that thing like seven, eight times already from start to finish. Um, and every single time you go through it, you, you go, oh, crap, I why didn't I? Why did I have this word in there? I don't need it. Why? Or I can tweak this line. I can I can cut this paragraph. You know, and and that's really, really, honestly, something I'm not used to from my comic books. And and part of it could be the result of of how I was bred into the industry. I I, I had a nine to five job at Marvel, and I was freelance writing. And then I was doing a lot of freelance writing while I still had a nine to five job. So. 
I didn't have the luxury of taking too much time with stuff. And and that's that's a huge difference from my experiences as a comic book writer. Now that now that I you know two books I've written for crying out loud, there's people who've written you know fifty. Um, I've written two books, and and in those two, the second one was a tremendously easier process for me because I, I had a much better understanding of what I was doing compared to the first one. And in regards to this, it's like I said, you know, or like you know, you have said, it's your first novel. You've never written a novel in you know before. And one of the things I wanted to tell you, this was the compliment I teased to you on Twitter. You remind me of one of my all-time favorite writers, Douglas Adams, and just the overall tone of the story and how it comes across. It's like Douglas Adams was like, you know what, I'm going to write a true crime detective kind of story and I gotta tell you again big kick out of it especially just the very beginning alone I appreciate that um yeah I didn't I, I was never uh, it would be impossible and and downright counterintuitive for me to take myself too seriously when when I was approaching the the work I wanted to do the, the truth is that the, as we've talked about in, in in previous episodes, uh, now that I am the award-winning mostest guest on The Marvelous. Now um, I know what we forgot. It's that damn award for him. Yes. I'm, the, I'm the Alec Baldwin of The Marvelous. Um, I, I, when, I wrote, when I wrote the book, it, it, it still was a, a book that I'd been sitting on in my brain for 25 years. You know, it, it was something that I'd come up with in the mid-90s while I was writing X-Men and everything else. So... It, it wasn't as if the intentions of the book ever changed. They they were they were born of the same exact time that I was becoming a, a consistent professional writer. You know, and and you know qualitatively that that's subjective to anyone's opinions one way or the other, bad or good. But that the book idea came at the same exact time as the Circle Chase miniseries for Deadpool was happening in my brain, you know? Um, so the intention of how I wanted to do it, by the time I finally started to do it, which wasn't until the end of 2017, that didn't change. It didn't deviate. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't going to approach the work as if I was going to write some serious, you know, uh, you know, it's not Dr. Zhivago. It's not, it's not the Iliad, you know. Um, I wanted it to be something that's very entertaining. I wanted it to be fun. Um, I, I wanted it to have an interesting mystery, but I'm not a mystery writer per se. I don't have experience in that genre. Um, so I didn't think of it too much as a mystery. And I've been asked a lot more because I've had to do a lot more interviews that were book specific in the last couple months. So it's actually made me think about it more than I had been. I, I really think of the book as a tragedy, quite frankly. I just wrap it in a blanket of humor and mystery, you know. But the, both books, the second book as well, but the, the, the Suburban Dick to me is a bit of a tragedy. Uh, and it's the tragedy that this particular book, Suburban Dick, is the tragedy of of white fear of change, white suburban fear of the new and, and the different and their inability to, to, to handle, um, cultural sociological change. Uh, the second book is thematically much more about marriage and, and 
the the gnawing, stultifying um, existence of suburban marriages, um, and that too, in its own way, is a tragedy. So, and yet, it still has a whole lot of humor, and it still, I think, hopefully, has a good mystery hook to it. Um, so, so that that really was the original origin of the idea in my brain, and and I didn't change it. So, the only thing that really changed for me is my my confidence to do it and my ability to 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 follow through on it um because peter you mentioned there's a first book i've written yeah but i've tried to write them before and every single time as we've discussed i i i tried i wasn't happy with what i was doing and i just killed the file i wish i wish i'd saved my trash bins for the amount of books that i've tried to start probably five or six you know, um, as well as the one that got taken away from me, which we discussed, I think, in the last episode that I did with you guys, which was I'd been contracted to write a Gambit novel for Byron Price Books back in, like, 2000, 2001. Um, and I wrote 275 pages of it before the licensing deal was killed by Marvel, and, and Byron Price pulled the plug on all the books. Um, so... I never finished it. That actually would have been my first finished book, and I'm in a way I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. Now in hindsight, because I don't, I don't think that writing was the same as the writing I'm doing today. You know, I'm, I'm much more comfortable and much more confident in in how I'm approaching prose now than I ever have been in uh, in 35 years of being a writer. Well, other than the fact that you answered the first question, I had thought of was how long has this been in the works? When we're looking at 20 plus years in as far yeah. as that goes and i think of course we did touch on some of this stuff in the previous episode but now here it is and you know even going back to and i don't know if i totally agree with what you said about you know now you're glad you didn't get to do the gambit thing because you could look back on if it was something that happened in a, in a what if scenario and say oh well this is this must have been my mindset and the parameters i was working at this point and now i can gauge what was done there versus suburban dicks now and you know the direction and a different type of storyline situation, all all the above. So uh, maybe you know in a way those could be benchmarks, just like anything else that anybody in particular has done at different points in the in their life, highlights of their career, whatever that that might be. But well, there's also also concerns though because the minute the minute your first novel is a comic book novel, it it, it automatically. Um, can limit your ability to sell yourself in other genres to other other editors. You know, um, it, it could pigeonhole you in the minds of the buyers as as a science fiction author so, or a fantasy author or a comic book author. And, and that, to me, was also always a, a, a constraint uh, around my confidence in writing the book because I had a mystery book series in my mind since the mid-90s, but nobody on the planet Earth would think of me as someone who would or could write a mystery book, you know? Yeah, so um, this wouldn't be a case where, uh, under Hush Hush, you, you would employ the pseudonym or the alias? Um, I would not have done an alias for the Gambit novel because the publisher would not have let me yep. because it would have been my name as a comic book writer that would have been helped selling that book to a comic book audience. I would never have gone to an alias on Suburban Dicks unless 
it was the only way the publisher would choose to do it. Now, grant, mind you, there's a possibility 25, 20 years ago, let's say, that if I had written and sold Suburban Dicks, a publisher may very well have wanted to use a pseudonym because my comic book background might have been looked at as a negative background, yeah. uh, both to genre, both to book buyers, to book editors, internally within a publishing company's hoity-toity mentality. The truth of the matter is, is that 20 years later, a billion dollars out of two Deadpool movies with another billion probably in merchandising, that changes the dynamic. Because then when my agent presents the co-creator of Deadpool writing his first novel, oh, and by the way, it's a really funny murder mystery, that changes the perception of the people looking at it. So in some ways, the time it took me to have the confidence to do it was the best thing that could have happened to my ability to sell it. Um, and, and it was the best thing that happened because we had six publishers who wanted to buy this book. It went to auction. It was mind-boggling. It was stunning. I, I, I honestly was completely floored when that happened. But my, my agent believed it was going to happen because he believed in what my branding could mean to an editor who wants to buy a book and has to convince their company to pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the agent believed that branding more strongly than I did myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up being 100% right, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, the book, I'm not the best judge of my own work. I never have been. Um, but the book has to be pretty good if six publishers want to buy it. And, and it has to be pretty good if the reviews that we're getting so far are, are really strong. So it's, it's, it's being perceived of as something that's better than even I think it is. Because <laughs> I think it's okay. All right, I did it. I, you know, I shrug my shoulders. I'm like, wow, I did it. I don't yeah, yeah. think of it as, yes, it's good. You're going to love it. You know, um, I still have the mentality of I hope you like it. I think you will. I, I think there's some good stuff in there. Okay. You know, um, on to the next thing I got to do, you know. Yeah. Um, so so, so it, it, the, the, it's so interesting for me from a career standpoint and from a personal standpoint how this all, this all came about and happened at the right time, at the right place. So it, part of me will say, geez, I wish I could have done this 10 years ago or 15 years ago. And another part of me says, I don't know that I – could have or been able to do it 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Maybe maybe it happened at the right time. Maybe it happened when it had to happen. The, the, the part of you from a career standpoint, and we all go through it, where if you have success, you wonder, what if I had tried it sooner? You know, right. that, that doesn't go away. You just got to put it in perspective. But yes, of course, I'm turning 60 years old this year. Damn, it would have been nice if I'd sold this when I was turning 50 years old. I would have had 10 more years of a writing career in a, in a new genre, in a new platform, you know. Um, and that would have been really fun because I really enjoyed this. I, 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 I really enjoy, enjoy writing prose now, whereas five years ago, 
I, I would have told you I hate writing prose and I'm never going to write prose for as long as I live, you know? But one thing is, you know, your demeanor and attitude about this, it's very humble, and that's a thing a lot of creative types should, you know, express. It's like, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, golly gee, I'm the absolute best. No, you want to be like, eh, I'm trying. Good enough. You, you got to, yeah, you got to, you know, you, I, and I know what you're talking about, and I've, we've all seen it, and, and we've all heard it, but the honest truth is that that when when you have a career where someone was willing to wait in line two hours at a convention just to tell you you suck, you have to put yourself into perspective. <laughs> you have to be a little bit objective and subjective about yourself and your quote-unquote importance in the firmament, you know? Has, um, has someone uh, really done that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that was way back when, 1992, 1993, San Diego Comic-Con. Like, yikes. Now, it wasn't a full two hours. It was about 90 minutes. Guy waited in line 90 minutes just to tell me I suck. Um, and that was it. He didn't even want a comic signed. And, and the, you know, the crowd around the table was like, oh, man. I was like, what? He, he can't know I suck unless he paid money to buy the book. And if he paid money to buy the book, that means he already put money in my pocket. You know? So what the hell? He's entitled to his opinion. I, you know, I, I, you, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes yeah. it, it annoys you, it bothers you. But, but how, how can you be self-important when... Half the people who look at the work you do may not like it, yeah. right? And half the people will. And 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 sometimes you don't agree with the reasons why either half believes the way they believe. You know, I've had people drop comic books in front of me. They say they told me it's their favorite comic, and it's one of my five least favorite ever. You know, so what am I going to do? Tell them, yeah, you're really wrong about that. You know, <laughs> um, you, you just take it with a grain of salt. It's funny, like it doesn't. That doesn't go away though. That push pull between the desire to be liked by everyone and the awareness that that's not possible you know the intrinsic understanding you have to have that that's simply not possible so why worry about it you know when you the i, I i've been going on goodreads way too much because i want to see if people post new reviews and, and we have one person who posted a one-star review everyone else is mostly four and five star reviews on this thing it's got like a 4.2 rating on goodreads so far um this one woman posted a one-star review and i just want to i want to like call her and yell at her but you can't because what are you gonna do you know no, it's like that like, four to five dentist it's always that fifth dentist that doesn't it's go always that fifth dentist. what the hell what is wrong with him well, Eddie, you know, we have to go with our uh, our favorite review of all time. On the Marvelous um, T-shirt, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, it's it's just, I have to tell you this, though, it's just I'm still trying to grab the, grasp the concept of somebody waiting 90 minutes to tell you that. <laughs> all right, that's one thing. But of, then I say to myself, well, of course you wouldn't want to get anything signed. <laughs> but then equally and that's on a true. different level would be like, oh, yeah, can you sign this too? I mean, and I would have gladly signed it because, once again, they paid their money for it. You know, my attitude has always been: if you paid your money for it, for it, you you're you're t entitled to any opinion you want, yep. whether it's I agree with it or not, whether it's well phrased or well stated, whether it's fair or not, whatever. If you paid for it, you you earn your your opinion. If you pirated it, I don't give a damn. You know, yeah, no, like, exactly. so, I could just so, see that autograph though. To whomever, you know, thank you for your support. You suck too, Fabian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you suck more. You suck more. <laughs> yeah. Exclamation point. Who uh, sucks more, the one who sucks or the one who waited two hours to tell the person they suck? Um, wow. It, you know, it, it was funny. It was a it was a really funny moment, and mm -hmm. and 
and I never forgot it. And it happened relatively early enough in my career that, that it helped put things in perspective. I mean, you know, it, a lot of things in my career really helped me have a very, um, a very confident and comfortable perspective on on the audience and and creator interaction. No. You know, um, you know, I, I, I took over. I mean, I wrote the first X Men issue that Chris hadn't written for 17 years. I, I you know, I, I, I took over the books at a time when all the image guys were taking over the books, and then they all left less than a year later and had to ride that whole wave. And you just, you, you, if you don't get a tough skin quickly, you're gonna always be be pestered by bruises. And why would who wants to walk around pestered by bruises all day long? It's uncomfortable. No. It's, it's 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 exhausting, right? You're sore you know. all the time. So I, I I'm really pretty good for the most part at ignoring the uh, the outright negative. Um, it, sometimes depending on how it's presented, it will chafe me. Yes, you know, like like that that one woman's review on Goodreads. I don't think she even read the whole book so how can you be giving a book a one star when you didn't even read the whole thing you know um uh, so so you're basing it on a chapter or two at the very beginning that you didn't like all right then why bother reviewing it at all why why post a four paragraph review if you didn't even finish reading the book you know uh, that, that, that that's the logic that never i that's the kind of thing i can't wrap my head around because it makes no sense to me why, why, why say anything at all? Just dismiss it. You're, you know, why tell other people don't read this because I didn't like the first three chapters? That's kind of crazy to me, you know. Um, but, but, but again, it, it's one person's voice, so whatever, you know. Um, and I just, it, on a side, it, uh, I, I just went to a music one of well, who knows how many this time around musical tangents we're going to go to, but I didn't expect this one. Kelly Clarkson, "What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger." Oh, jeez. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nietzsche might have said that too, but you know, Kelly, probably, <laughs> Kelly, Kelly probably sang it a lot better than he did. So, That's it. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting because I don't know if you guys have looked, have seen. I'm, I'm posting on Twitter constantly just because I'm an absolute whore. I saw um, the Amazon the, the, thing. The reviews that the book is getting are are kind of so far in a territory that I'm not used to in my career. I'm not the guy that that, that gets a starred review from a, a, a major publishing, a major, you know, industry publisher. I'm not the guy that gets picked as one of the eight books you have to read this summer, but by, by a major, you know, in the industry leading, you know, uh, magazine. So when you start getting that, you, you, you party is like, when's the other shoe going to drop? When, yeah. When, well, when's the New York times going to say I suck, you know? Um, uh, but but then and, and then the other part is like, you know, is it is it good? Like literally, I'm like, is it good? Is it good well, enough? That you know what, Fabian, going saying these things about it, you know. But going back to the fact that you said you were wondering why six publishers are interested in this, and it made me think of, well, did they get the work with your name attached to it or not? Yeah, absolutely, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the whole thing went out. Uh, I am who I am. This is who I am. This is what I've done. But like we talked about uh, uh, before, that was a positive. That, that helped. Now it didn't hurt. Yeah. The, the, being the co-creator of Deadpool helped because there's a branding to it that everyone knows. And that branding, by the way, is not just snarky, smart humor. That branding is also financial success. 
you know. Yep. So that changes the dynamics of how someone looks at it. Oh, this guy co-created Deadpool and he wrote a book. Maybe we can sell a lot of that. Just that, generates you know, a lot of interest that, that way. That, yeah. That's how they think. So that changes the dynamic. They wouldn't have thought that ten years ago. That would have been a much smaller subset of the audience that was starting to get in line with Deadpool. But now, after the two movies and after years of merchandising, it, it, it really does change the, the, the parameters of the presentation. My agent understood that in a way that I didn't because I knew of Deadpool's selling power to a certain demographic, but my agent understood that 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 power transcends the genre that the character comes from mm-hmm. or the humor that the character comes from and as a result the the place that the writer is coming from so it was a more a matter of give this book a read guys because he sent it out to like a whole bunch of he sent it out to eight eight or eight eight editors eight major buying editors at eight major publishing companies and six of them came back with, with, with interest in buying the book. And four of them got involved in, in, in a, a week-long bidding war, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's why I got a two-book deal instead of a one-book deal, because the last two left <laughs> in, the, in the ring, as it were, had to up their offer a bit. And it wasn't necessarily at that point going to be a raising of the monetary offer, because that's when you start to worry that if, it, if you raise the money a certain level to what you're paying the author, you may not be able to sell enough books to make that back. So what they do is they amortize that by stretching it out over a month, uh, over two books, which is two years or three years. You know what I mean? So, so that's what they did with me. They, they offered me a two-book deal as opposed to paying more for a one-book deal. And that was fine with me because mm-hmm. it was more money than I was expecting to make off of this thing to begin with, and I got to write two books. So I was like, great, now, now I'm itching because I want to write the third one, and we don't have an extension deal yet. <laughs> so so that's, what, that's what's nipping at my craw right now. Um, uh, you know, so so it all helps. Who, who, it's, it's really ironic in a way because I, I come from a time where we had to fight for respect constantly all the time every day no matter what in all of our media representation we had a fight for respect and and we live now in a day where the success of the of the properties has led to respect for the people who have been responsible for creating the stuff um not so much by the companies themselves, mind you, but by the outside perception of of the people who are doing the buying. Um, and, and it's also cyclical, too. It's generational, because when I broke in, the executives who were in their 40s and early 50s just thought of comic books as Pam Zhao, Bop, you know, Batman TV show, uh, or for kids. And And now the executives who are in their 40s or 50s grew up at a time when comics were selling so much in the early 90s and Watchmen and Dark Knight and all that stuff was happening. So there was a different perception of the kinds of storytelling you could do with comic books, including mainstream superhero characters. So by the time they grew up within whatever field they were going to enter into, they didn't have the same preconceived notions that so many 
had before them. So cyclically, we've reached a point now where the the people who have buying powers at publishing companies, television, you know, production companies, networks, film studios, that they have a different understanding and perception of of what 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 comic book writers can do, um, much more so than than when I broke in. I mean, you look at uh, Neil Gaiman, you know, with everything he's done in his like you know long career as well. You know, he's going on. He was known primarily for Sandman. Then along came Good Omens and, you know, American Gods, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, everything he does, you know, it's a licensing bonanza now. Yeah, he, he was always an anomaly, though. He was an anomaly back then because he didn't cut his teeth on tripe. He didn't cut his teeth on mainstream mediocrity the way the rest of us did. He, he, he found the way he had the voice and he had the skill that allowed him to break in as the voice of maturity and 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 as the the voice of expanding the medium in a way even more so than Alan Moore or Frank Miller because each of them had to put their time in with the mainstream stuff they just did it better than everyone else but it was still the mainstream stuff Neil for the most part didn't have to do any of that he just he, he came in as a journalist who 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 got that ball rolling really quickly on Sandman, you know? Um, so so he he was always like a god above men. <laughs> he, and to my mind, Neil was always elevated one notch above even you know even Alan Moore or Frank Miller just because he did it so much his own way from the very beginning, you know. Um, but but in some ways, not in a negative towards Neil whatsoever, but in some ways that 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 actually has also pigeonholed him as a quality guy, right? You're, you're never really going to get a fun two-hour action-adventure flick out of Neil Gaiman, are you? You know? Like, what would you think if someone was going to pitch you a Neil Gaiman script that was going to be, you know, a, a Samuel L. Jackson, Ryan Reynolds co-starring action flick? Or you'd go, huh? You know? Um, so, so it... it, it from my standpoint, it's the other way around. It's the it's the it's the guys who reached certain heights of mediocrity, which is how I always like present myself, getting an opportunity to punch up as a result of 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 the slow climb up the ladder that is the perception people have of comic books and and comic book writers. You know, in the interest of fairness, on the topic of the idea of a. Uh... Ryan Reynolds' uh, Sam Jackson romp by Neil Gaiman. I would love to watch that just to see how he would incorporate The Cure on the soundtrack, just because. There you go. Oh, God, no, no more Cure. <laughs> <laughs> see, I just had a thought I, of, like, 1602. I, didn't Gaiman, I, I didn't wouldn't do want to see that movie. <laughs> I think my brain would explode. <laughs> and, you know, you had mentioned about the, the praise and all of the uh, reactions that Suburban Dicks is getting right now. Available soon in bookstores and also in ebook format. How soon? Yeah, how uh, soon? June twenty second. It comes out in stores. It's available for pre order now anywhere you buy your books. Um, and the audio book will also be available June twenty second. Amazon's being kind of a uh, like as great as Amazon is being towards you. And we will get to that in a moment. But my pre order right now for the book is currently listing that it's going to come out in July. I don't yeah. know why that yeah. might be a, full, a warehouse fulfillment problem 
the book will be in bookstores June 22nd, I've been told. But while July is the seventh month of the calendar year, believe me, people, I am going for a reason for this. I know. Number eight is what you are on on that Amazon list, I believe. I don't know. Where was I on the Amazon list? I might have been. I don't. Um, they just made, they just put out uh, the list of, of mystery, thriller, suspense books to read this month. And we were on that list. Um, and, um, and it was very heartwarming. Uh, the, the, the Kirkus one was even better and bigger for me. Uh, Kirkus Reviews is one of the two leading industry publications that go to publishers and bookstores uh, and booksellers. Um, Kirkus and Publishers Weekly are the two big ones. Um, and Kirkus gave us a starred review, uh, which apparently they don't do that often, uh, much less to debut novels. Um, so that was actually a pretty big thing uh, with everyone I talked to at, at Putnam. Uh, they were super excited about that. And then Publishers Weekly followed up with a starred review as well. Then Kirkus this week uh, put out an article, eight novels to read this summer. And go and figure Suburban Dicks is one of the eight novels they think you should read this summer. Um, not only that, on their, on their own website, the placement for Suburban Dicks is like smack dab in the middle, jumping out in comparison to all the other books around it, which is really freaking cool. <laughs> um, because you can't control placement like that. You can't use, like, it's all luck. Um, and, and, and that means that every bookstore is looking at that now and saying, this, this book is getting a positive attention from the, the leading trade magazines, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, I have zero clue how any of that translates to sales in stores. I have zero clue how that translates into um, the presentation of the book in stores. I'm going to go into my Barnes & Noble right near me on June 22nd with the dread that either they won't have put the book out yet or it's going to be lost in a sea of everything else that's out at that given time because it was very daunting to me to get back into uh, looking at the book trade I, I used to i worked in book publishing for three years uh two and a half years and and i really didn't pay that much attention to book publishing afterwards um and when I just started to look again, it was mind-boggling to me the amount of of product that comes out on a monthly basis, the the sheer weight of the amount of books that comes out. It makes you wonder how the hell is anyone going to know about your book, you know? Um, and I guess it's the same in comics, but I never I never thought of it that way because I was working for Marvel, you know, and so we were kind of like the the, the 800-pound gorilla. Um, we never had to worry that much about the retailers paying attention to us or the consumers being aware of us, you know. Um, but but th this gets daunting, so I, I got to just hope that the the marketing and publicity aspects of Putnam, you know, as much as they're able to vest into just one book on their list coming out in June, I hope that they, that, that, that they do a good job with it so far. I think that they have because they've gotten a lot of good placement. Oh. Um, and, and a lot of the work they do is always very close to publication. There, it, it's not, it's not so much the work they, they have to do six months ago. It's a lot of it's the work they have to do two weeks before a book comes out and two weeks after a book comes out. Um, because apparently the window 
for sales is the strongest within the first few weeks of a book coming out. That makes sense. And even if, you know, uh, and unless everything in creation is coming out on June 22nd or somebody does some serious misfiling, whether it's a customer or an employee, it'll be in the new section. And it'll, it'll be seen and it shouldn't be buried the first day especially. And, and if you were listening a few minutes ago when Peter made the July is the seventh month yeah. and Fabian is number eight, well, he was really <laughs> proud of that if that didn't come across. Thank so, you. In the words of Casey Kasem, <laughs> keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. And what about that dog? And the countdown continues. What Never mind the- that damn death dog <laughs> Shannon thingy. So so keep going. But, in you know, you mentioned the overall presentation, Eddie. In the U.K., there's going to be a different, I believe, a uh, trade jacket for or book jacket for suburban dicks. Is that correct? Yes, it's. A, I think it's also a soft cover. In, in, uh, the, I think the Titan book's a soft cover, so it's more like a uh, like what the, the trade listings that they do in, in for books. Um, it's not a paperback size. It's a trade size, but it's a book. It's a it's a soft cover book. Um, and it's a completely different cover, which I, I like a lot. I think it's really, really cool. Um, I used elements from both the Putnam edition in the U.S. territories and the Titan edition for U.K. territories. I used elements of both of those. And my new website, which will be launching tomorrow. Um, so the, the soon-to-be-the-most-misspelled URL on the planet Earth will be will be launching tomorrow, which is my, my author website, which... I, I always resisted doing, but kind of had to do because um, the publisher asked me to. So the goal is to capture email names with a newsletter. And I have a little bio page, which is kind of kind of I tried to make kind of fun. Um, it, it's a it, it's it's a it's a relatively no frills introductory introductory website, um, but it's got a, it's got some good stuff in there. Um, I just and, visited and, the site. It's very pretty. It, you, you just went now? Yes. Yeah, it's live now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce it tomorrow on Twitter, um, but it's live now, yeah. And, and there are two secret links on the website that you need to find on your own, which will take you to other sites with, with stuff that you can look at. I'm very glad I remembered how to spell your last name, though. Well, there you go. See, that's going to be the key. Um, uh, the key is how many misspellings of my name are going to take you to Pornhub.com. That's, <laughs> that's going to really be an interesting thing to see what happens. I swear, I was trying to spell his name, but I spelled Pornhub by mistake. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, they're very close in sound and spelling, and yeah, okay. they're all so close together on the keyboard, you know. Yes, and... they are. Yes. <laughs> Holy, yeah. And the countdown continues. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, if you if you type in at one point, I believe I don't know if it's the case now, but if you typed in suburban dicks on Amazon, you got some pretty lewd stuff. Um, I think I think the book may be coming up first now. I hope, um, but. You know, that was always a bit of a concern of mine with the title, but I'm very, very glad that they stuck with it. I'm very glad that they didn't they, they didn't fear the title, uh, because I think the title and the editor agreed strongly as one of one of the biggest eye-catching selling points of the book. Yeah, exactly right. Well, words right. are powerful. I mean, Constable wouldn't quite have had the same flow, perhaps. No, no, not at all. No. Well, as of right now, Suburban Dicks is number one on the search results on Amazon.com. Oh, get out of there. No, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> but is it the book that's coming up? 
Well, well uh, <laughs> it goes to your own algorithm now, so it's going to come up as a book for me. Wait, an algorithm? A former vice president playing the drums? We- <laughs> yes, yes. We need um, a, we need a Wayne's World reference right here. Swing. <laughs> <laughs> the book is going to come up first for me, just because I, I, it, the, I've already entered it into my field in the past. All righty. So I think that's going to wrap up this episode for today. First off, Fabian, congratulations on the book once again. Thank you very much, guys. Let's get a book tour going as soon as it's all possible and everybody's on the same page, damn it. Yeah, I think um, as of nice right pun, now, my, my first live appearance uh, will be New York Comic Con, but I may I may end up doing a little before that. I, I may end up going to Terrific Con, um, and I may end up going to... Um, a convention in Salt Lake, uh, FanX in, in September. I'm not sure yet, but um, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to sell the book at the conventions uh, that don't necessarily require me mailing myself boxes of books because I ain't doing that. See, um, it's so. really appropriate, by the way, you mentioned Terrificon. Uh, terrific, or Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con will be having Mitch Halleck uh, momentarily on the show. Are you really? Cool. Yeah, he's going to be uh, calling in at six. I said hi, and I hope maybe to see him in late July. All right, so Fabian, before we go, also, how can people get a hold of you on the worldwide interwebs? Well, you can now go to www.fabiannisiesa.com, and I won't be spelling it for you. <laughs> uh, and and you can reach me through my website if you want. Just sign up for my newsletter. Talk about hard or to get. Or you can reach me on Twitter at Fabian Nisiesa. Um, or you can reach me on Facebook usually because I'm always there. But um, my, my friends list is full. Um, and I, I'm, I've been too lazy to ever do a fan page. So the best ways to get me at this point now are going to be through my website and through Twitter. Uh, and I'm always accessible and always open. Uh, you can you can just tell me I suck. I'm totally cool with that, and, and we're good to go. I just have to do a little aside about the website, by the way. The uh, mo- It has a mobile page. So the mobile version of the website is so damn clean. As a former uh, person who used to do web design stuff, boy, Fabian, honk, honk. Don't, don't thank me for that. Don't, I don't take that honk. That is uh, Dan Berkowitz. Uh, has a company called Author Pop. And he designed and built the website, uh, as he's done for many authors, and, and he's great to work with. He's a really good guy, and he did a really good job, um, and, and I'm very glad. I asked him to be bold, and he certainly was bold <laughs> with, with our Saul Bass color schemes that we went with. Uh, I looked at so many author sites, and they're, they're all so sedate, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't be sedate, can I? No, i gotta, I got to be pretty loud. So we went with loud. I won't take that honk is the most appropriate way to end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's a seal. Sorry. Eh, good enough. You got my approval. All righty. So for The Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Fabian Nisiesa. And I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior.